Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, we finally have some news, Rob. Finally. It was only on our last show. Thing, yes. We said things could change in 24 hours, and they have. So is this the end of Manchester United? <sighs> Well, the contacts and sources all came good. You know, we 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 did chat about the potential change in in ownership or ownership structure in the last show, and we said, look, we don't really want to talk about this. Like every week, people ask, "What do you know? What do you know?" Well, I think we've got to at least a point where we do know that there is now only one runner left in the race, uh, and we're going to talk about it today. Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos look like they have won the race to start acquiring Manchester United from the Glazers, not fully acquiring, uh, mm-hmm. as has been... It's been met with a lot of criticism, a lot of criticism, uh, because it's been fully... I don't want to generalise here, but I think the, most of the the, the 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 noise I've seen in response to this is, oh no, this is the end. Uh, Qatar have pulled out, they've withdrawn. That news came at the back end of last week. Uh Sir Jim Ratcliffe then soon after emerged as the the person who would be acquiring 25% of Manchester United shares. Mm -hmm. 25%, you ask? That's not going to do anything. We'll explain why it's actually quite significant throughout this show. We'll talk about the difference between Class A and Class B shares. We'll talk about what Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants to do with Manchester United. We'll talk about why Qatar's bid has failed. We'll talk about people that we could be seeing brought in to Manchester United once Sir Jim Ratcliffe completes his uh, part takeover of the club. There's a meeting on Thursday, which I'm guessing, I think this will be formally ratified and accepted and we'll start to move on. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's an interesting time. It's been an interesting weekend around Manchester United because obviously I think people have looked at the offer that was on the table from Sheikh Jassim and Qatar offered the world it really did but it unfortunately mm. was not enough to convince the glazers to sell so I, I i particularly want to do a little bit on that uh throughout the show today because i think there's things that i don't want to you know i think there's some things that people are misunderstanding uh, that i would like to try and explain i'm sure rob would like to as well but subscribe uh, to the show wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on the social medias as well watch us on youtube the promise and a manchester united podcast like the video Subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell as well. You can also subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts too. And as I said, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at Promise and MU on X or you know Twitter as well. And Twitter has been where the world seems to be melting down because it is the end of Manchester United because Sir Jim Ratcliffe looks like He's going to get his way. Now, Rob, what's your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> what's my thoughts? Oh, my God, so many thoughts. Um, so one of the things we've always questioned 
is the wise Watson house. So why is it that Qatar couldn't complete the deal? A lot of people have said to me, oh, just because they're rich shouldn't mean they paid more. Well, I think in any kind of race like this is that the person that puts the money up the most or has the highest valuation tends to win. Scott, would you agree with that? You know, that is, that's, that's, something that's we... basically how it works, Rob. If you want to buy a house and you offer underneath the asking price and somebody bids, a, makes a better offer than you, you haven't done enough. Totally. <laughs> and, and I think that the distinction here, and obviously, you know, fans watch fan channels, fan reads the press, fans watch our shows, so fans get their information through these kind of, you know, second and third hand parties, is that the, the whole full sale thing now, the whole full sale now thing, I understand. I get why football fans look at it in just isolation and they were looking for this day where the Glazers were kind of lifted up by a new owner and marched out of Manchester kind of in this metaphor of release and emancipation for Manchester United. And that's the way it was always going to go and that's the way they wanted it. Now, we all want to see the end of the Glazers. I think with the, the thing that differs, Scott, is how do you do it? How, how's the way that the market allows you to do it? And what's the most convenient way for the Glazers? Because the Glazers are not going to walk out without either a fight or without a bundle of money. So people are saying this is all about Glazer greed, and they're right. It is about Glazer greed. We understand that. But we don't get to affect Glazer greed, do we? All you can do is have a potential owner that puts a structure in place that removes that greed. I think I tweeted out and, and, and wrote and said that you must re remove the Glazers' like ethics and greed out of the DNA of Manchester United. And that does not take weeks. That takes months. It takes years. These owners have been around a long time, Scott, haven't they? So we're now in a position where we know that Ineos will be buying 25% of the, the shares of the club. That's still to be confirmed. And obviously that's being voted on by the Manchester United board. And those 25% uh, shares will come with two big caveats. One, that they will control the football operation at Manchester United. That's huge. Two, that there will be a path to a full takeover to remove the Glazers from their power base. I don't know about you, Scott. I think that sounds quite good. I quite like that. I think that is progressive and I think that's the way to go. And I have to keep digging in my heels here, Scott, and say, I'm not a Jim Ratcliffe supporter. We don't work for Jim Ratcliffe like... I was going to say, I know you're in a different location today. I was going to say you're in Jim Ratcliffe's head office. Jim, Jim Ratcliffe's <laughs> bedroom or somewhere in Chelsea. I think that's probably where you are. But um, you have to find a way that is ethical for these billionaires to kind of get it and go, right, this is the right way to make it happen. They don't care about us. They don't care about the fans. They care about themselves. We know that Jim Ratcliffe, as a 70-year-old man, for him, this is a kind of vanity project. Like, this is not a business strategy decision. Like, he ain't buying Man United to make loads of money out of it. He makes more than enough money in the petroleum business, you know. So, for him, this is he's buying this football club because he believes that he's got the plan to take Manchester United back to the top. So, obviously, this is the bid that is going to be ratified. You would expect Qatar have now withdrawn uh, from the process. So, I just wanted to kind of dig into before we get into Jim a little bit more just dig mm. into why this Qatar bid has not not ended up materializing like and I completely absolutely understand that people want to see the debt cleared that people want to see the stadium redeveloped that people want to see the training ground redeveloped all of these were promises that were made by Sheikh Jassim's party and Qatar and it's easy to understand for me that people want to see that However, these promises mean absolutely nothing if the offer to get the Glazers out of the club is not accepted. The, the fact of the matter is Qatar have put in put up all these things saying we're gonna do this, we're gonna we're gonna make miracles, we're gonna, you know, Old Trafford's gonna be the greatest stadium in the world, and the team is gonna be we're gonna sign Mbappe and all these kinds of players, and we're gonna be amazing. But the fact of the matter is. Qatar have not done enough to get the Glazers out. And when you're trying to buy an asset, the most important thing, you can appease the fans all you want. And you can like, they all, and that's, this is what they've done. They've tried to appease the fans with all of these promises, mm. but it means nothing, absolutely nothing, if they don't get the Glazers out. And they have not met the asking price. So 
like we've talked about this in the past, Rob. Do the Glazers actually want to sell United? Do they want to like full sale? Do they actually want to do that? Or are they looking for the most money? The fact of the matter is we never got to that point with Qatar because they did not meet the minimum asking price that the Glazers were making. So of course they didn't they didn't want to sell because nobody put up six billion pounds. Qatar didn't. The story is that Qatar have obviously put like five billion down, maybe a little bit more, and then a billion, a billion and a half to go and make all these uh, redevelopments and to invest in the playing squad, this kind of thing. That means absolutely nothing to the Glazers. And mm. as United fans, surely by now we understand that. You know, you the Glazers, so. all they are, all they care about is their pockets. And the fact of the matter is, Qatar have not offered them enough money to convince them to move on. So everything else is immaterial. Qatar have made the these grandiose promises. And for me, there's even a point to argue that Qatar's sports washing accusations, they, they've done it without spending any money. They have. You know, they've convinced legions of Man United fans that they now are the, the knights in shining armor that could not, wanted to save you. They wanted to save Man United. They've come out of this without spending any money. You know, and now they might move their their money elsewhere and go into another club and try and do the same thing. All the while, they've been saying, "We want the best for Man United. We want the best for Man United." If they truly did, we're talking about Rob. You know how much money we're talking about here in in terms of the backing of that bid. They they're a billion short. They were. Yeah, a lot of people say to me as well, Scott. Like in terms of like accusations about why we we might favour one thing or another. Is that people say, oh, they go, oh, well, you want, you only want Jim Ratcliffe because he's a Mancunian, that you only want an English buyer because you're racist against people from the Middle East or something along those lines, going along that pattern. Uh, what I will say is this the reason why I always distrusted the Qatari bid is that if you do your bidding and your work through Twitter, through Twitter accounts, through the wrong types of press, then I will question you. I think that's the right way to do it is that I always said what we needed to see, Scott, was Sheikh Jassim or his team sit in front of a camera, meet all of us in a press conference, and for him to say, I'm a Man United fan, I love Man United, I'm filthy rich, I'm going to buy this football club. That's not what we heard. Even when they pulled out of the bidding, Scott, a few days ago, how did we hear it? We heard it through a football journalist who does his work on Twitter and YouTube. So I know that's the modern way to communicate, but if you're if you're doing this job behind the scenes, you know, there is a there is a process. And we know that Jim Ratcliffe and Dave Brailsford and their team turned up at Old Trafford, said, take our photos. We're here. We want to show that we're here. We want to show that our face is in front of this building here called Old Trafford. And we want to talk about it. And they did that. And it wasn't anything deep. It was just brief, wasn't it, Scott? But, you know, we got what we wanted. We knew what, what they were doing. Transparency is really important here. I think the problem with Qatar is that Qatar can talk about whether paying an extra billion or an extra two billion or an extra three billion or whatever it would have taken to take the, the club out of Glazer hands when you have just spent 180 billion on a World Cup that normally costs five. Let's not talk about whether people can afford it or not. Yeah, this is whether it gets ridiculous. So for me, I think this has always been the big question is, did Qatar really want Manchester United? You know, did Sheikh Jassim, was he representative of the of the Qatari royal family with an estimated worth of 350 billion? Or was he just part of a PR wing here, which, as you've just highlighted rightfully, have won the sports washing debate? Because they're always going to get remembered now, aren't they, as the guys that the Glazers wouldn't sell to? Did they really put an offer out there? I don't know. So this is up to Man United as well now to maybe clarify this and to say, look, we've only really been dealing with one party for a while because. This is where it is. And I think we'll learn a lot more about that, Scott, now in the coming week. Yeah. I, obviously, as supporters, we everybody wants wants the best for United. And mm. those promises were massive. That they, they made promises to redevelop Old Trafford, to redevelop the playing squad, to make Man United, to redevelop the, the community around it, around Old Trafford, and to upscale everything, to put United on a par with Man City. And... All well and good. But the fact of the matter is, if they actually wanted to do it that much, you know, it's what, 15, 20% extra 
to offer. And they're coming away with... I, I, and this is why I think the PR game is, is so strong here, because everybody knows that the Glazers are universally despised, universally hated. So they've come in and offered, you know, sell to us now for this price here. Sell to us now for this price here. And we'll do everything to make all these fans happy again. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the, you know, they're greedy, they're selfish. We already know that. We already mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. Like, are you just learning this now? You have to do enough. If you really, if they really wanted the club, I think instead of hiding behind, it's not, it's not valued that highly. I think it's an unrealistic value. Like it, it is what it is. Yeah. Look, I'm with you all the way, Scott. And I think, you know, our position on this has been relatively clear. I think most of the way, cause we've done enough content on it previously, but I think what's really important is that whoever takes the reins at Manchester United and controls the football operation. So we know that this deal is that's a huge part of this deal is that it's not about who takes dividends, who sits on the board, who is the face of this out or the other. It's about being a proper football club again, Scott, like a football club that has a, an infrastructure that supports Eric Ten Hag, that, that gives the players direction and says that this is the expectations of our football club. And if you do not meet those expectations, it does not matter if you earn this money or that money, you are gone. You're out the door very, very quickly. And people have already said, well, why would Jim Ratcliffe be the guy to do that? Well, he's the only guy doing it at the moment. Like there isn't other people in this kind of scenario. And this is why I will question the Qatari bid till the end of time, because they have not come out. They've given one statement in the very early days and they basically copied a, a statement that Man City's owners took in the original days. We will put money into the local area. We will put money into the football club. We want to be the biggest in the world. Okay, cool. That's great. But we've not heard anything else since. And they were the the, the party that was going to be the most aggressive in this bid. So they wanted full control, full sale, 100%. They could have got that, Scott. They really could have got that. But they didn't really go the full mile. They didn't. And that left Ineos open to negotiate. So for 11 months, that's what's been happening, is that they've been talking about that and finding a route to taking over the football operation at Manchester United. Now, I don't think that that's very difficult to understand. Fans might not like it, but I don't think that that's difficult to understand. And I think we're now going to see a lot of real systemic change within deep of the kind of the, the corridors of Manchester United and Old Trafford which I think will be wholly positive for United. I really do. I think there'll be changes. And a lot of maybe the the guys that have been there for a long time that have kept their jobs because of the Glazers might not be in their positions now in the weeks and months ahead. And I think that's what Man United actually need. Yeah, I've even seen just now, there's a report that's come out this morning, I think it might have been from the Mirror, that um, those within Manchester United... Here it is. Oh, it's actually Mike Keegan. Uh, Hmm. United senior management thought they were far more likely to keep their jobs following a Jassim takeover than after an Ineos one. Definitely. Most felt to Jim would quickly install a number of allies in key roles and they would be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody realizes, right, that the people who are making these decisions, Richard Arnold, John Murta, are the ones who stepped in after Ed Woodward, but have not really turned the club around. They, ha- they haven't. So the important people to be getting, obviously the Glazers are, incredibly important to get out and that's a different conversation because they they re- it requires a structured bid like Ratcliffe's and that kind of thing but the football operation is the most important thing to turn around first everything else which I'm sure I'm sure we'll start to learn about Jim Ratcliffe's plans is talk of a 90,000 uh redevelopment of Old Trafford which they probably will fix the roof by the way I've seen I've seen people saying oh we don't want a bigger stadium we just want the roof fixed as if they wouldn't bloody do that anyway um the important thing to remember here, right, is Qatar have promised the world, but to me, to Rob, to you listening, those promises, they might mean stuff to us, but they mean absolutely nothing to the people who own the club that, can, that control all the power. The Glazer family are the ones that need to be convinced. They are not convinced by an additional 900 million to clear the debt. That doesn't go to them. That goes on United. They don't care about the extra billion that is going to be redeveloped, uh, going to use, going to be used for redevelopment of Old Trafford and, and the surrounding community, that kind of thing. All they care about is the amount of money in their pockets. And Sir Jim Ratcliffe, unfortunately, for, for for some people, has actually found a way to grasp control. 
Yeah. You know? He, and, he negotiated uh, it. Yeah. He negotiated it. It's smart. Anyway, uh, so let us know your thoughts. I, I understand like some of what we said there is not going to be too popular. And I, I don't want to come across as like, you know, high horse or anything like that. Because ultimately, I want, I'm not pro Jim either. I'm just saying that he's been smarter during this process than the opposite party. That's that's all that's happened, and he he seems to have won out. And, and I think a really important part of the back of that, Scott, because this is where the fan channels are going and the talking heads on the fan channels are going, is that oh, we're now going from full sale to this partial sale. No, there was no full sale. There was no full sale. Qatar could have sorted that out, and they didn't. They didn't push that button. They really didn't. That is on Qatar. Qatar actually could have bought Manchester United and done the things they were saying. But, Scott, I'm not going to trust it when it is just a, a, a vision of a nation talking through 24-hour news. Like, if you want to do something, be transparent about it. And this is always the problem, is that you've got one party which is trying to be transparent in the way it works and operates and making a slow process and also making unpopular choices in the middle of that. And then you've got the populist choice that can shout and scream and crow through the talking heads, through whether that be on news channels or or through uh, fan channels or whatever, because they've bought their way in through their PR companies. You've got to see through the murk. You've got to Man United fans. So this is kind of where we've stood for a long time. It's just that now we're getting to the point of fruition, aren't we? So this is not about, oh, we told you this, we told you that. This is just about what the reality is. And the reality is there was one party that negotiated with the Glazers to try and find a long-term vision for Manchester United to take the football strategy over and to move these owners out over maybe a longer-term spell. So this is what we're going to wait for this week now to kind of get that mandate from Ineos and trying to hear exactly what they want to do. The United board will vote now on this proposal for 25%. That 25% will be a controlling stake in Manchester United's football operation, which I think is massive. Those 25% of B-class shares are worth 10 times, I think, nine or 10 times more than the A shares. And if the Glazers end up converting their shares into A shares, they've effectively gone. That's it. They won't have any power at Man United, but we need that confirmed. They're now ratified now by Ineos. It will probably be a case of, to start off, will be a power sharing. And as you said as well, Scott, the Glazers just want their money at the end of the day over a period of time. And they're very aware that, even if they keep one foot in the door, one toe in the door at Man United, if those if those TV deals change in the next 10 years, guess what? You know, I'm making the international sign for money here on camera. They want money, don't they? They want to be paid up. But I personally want them out of Manchester United in terms of the football operation. That is the most important thing. Then we might have a chance of winning once again. Do you want to go any further into the difference between Class A and Class B? Um, I think we can only go by. I think if people don't understand it, then I, 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 in you know, push you to say go and go find out more deeper about it and about how it works because there's been so much talked about it. But essentially, Class B shares at Manchester United are worth eight, nine, or ten times the amount of a Class A share, and it's the Glazers that own all the Class B shares. Hence, why they make all the choices and all the bad choices. There's actually a ton of Man United um, investors at home own a ton of uh, Class A shares. Lots of them. Companies that you've never even heard of who own a tiny microism of Man United. Now, if it was Ineos buying no shares, Scott, I think it's a different debate. To that's, a different, that's a problem. Yeah. Completely. They're buying 25% of just A-class shares. Then they will they will control literally about 0.05% of Manchester United, like something ridiculously small. If they buy B-class shares. They then usurp the board. They go above the board. They go above Joel. They go above Avram. They go above the Glazer family. And they start to be able to make choices. Now, one of the things we were going to talk about before Gary Neville put a tweet out and said he'd like to know what the structure of all this is. And I agree with him. I think we all need to hear that next. But the truth of the matter is, is that if Ineos buy those shares, 25% of B-class shares, then effectively they run the club. It's their club. They will make the choices. All the hiring, the firing, they will have to put money into the pot. Someone said to me, won't they take money out, though, like through dividends? And the truth is that, yes, probably they will. Like, that's what they've done with Mercedes, is that they put a ton of money into Mercedes over 10 years, and they did take dividends out. 
but they put more money in than they took out. And that is the key here. So the Glazers took their dividends out without putting one penny into the football club. And that made them heinous to Manchester United fans. So we know what they were doing. And that would not be acceptable if Jim Ratcliffe did that. What Jim Ratcliffe needs to do is invest the money of Ineos and he, and himself, his personal wealth and his partners into Manchester United to go and buy footballers and to build a new stadium. So that's where we're going with it. And if they don't do that, Scott, we will hold them to account. So again, audience members of ours have said to me, how, how is that? How can you hold them to account? Well, kind of what we're doing here. Like, do they watch us? No, but you have to put your voice into it, don't you? You know, we don't pretend that we've got power. But you can speak out against entities if they don't do the right thing. That's all we can do. We can't sit in a boardroom with them. It's also worth remembering that Qatar have done everything quite publicly. But the only the people that matter in this, really, and everything that Sir Jim has wrapped up in this bid, we might not know it all yet. We don't have to. Like, no. at the end of the day, we, we're all fans. Like, we are not in this negotiation. Like, Jim Ratcliffe, there's been some stuff leaking out about the redevelopment of Old Trafford to, to 90,000, this kind of thing. And I'm sure in time, we will start to learn what the plans are. But the fact of the matter is this deal has not been ratified yet. It's not been signed off. It, this, this hasn't actually happened yet, but it does look like it's going to happen. So this is not the way the world works nowadays. Might have to be a bit patient. Might have to wait just a little bit. The, the world's never worked like we think it works. Like this, I think this is the irony of it, is that when you're talking about a multi-billion pound deal for, a, a, again, an institution like Manchester United, which is way above other football clubs in terms of stature and, and hype, you know, we know that you put Man United on anything and it sells, that's part of the, the ethos of the football club, is that if you want rid of these owners, there, there is a way of moving them out, which is applicable to them and make them happy, but also make us happy. And... It's ironic, isn't it? Because these owners, Scott, they, they don't ever turn up at Old Trafford. They're never, they're never really vocal. They just sign certain checks. Like, you go, if you want to buy a footballer, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I oh, will sign at one. And that's why, without that direction, Scott, Man United are in the pickle they have been for over 10 years. Like, it's not just even just about Sir Alex. I said the other day to you, and said it on the, in the last show, that Eric Ten Hag has kind of been brought in and, and is kind of the director of football at Manchester United. And that's not a great look. You know, you're, you're manager... criticised as well for signing, oh, signing another player from the Dutch league and overspent on it. You know? Exactly. Like... And, and he's operating in kind of like these golden handcuffs almost. Like, you know, the Glazers say, well, yeah, you've got control, but you haven't really got control. You can just do a bit and we can put you out there and we can say, well, we hired you. And then when things go wrong, we can sack you and it's your fault. And we, we don't need that at Man United. You need infrastructure. And that is what, this deal hopefully will bring is that we will see a completely brand new infrastructure for the football club focused on the football side of it, focused on actually winning titles again and taking Manchester United back to where it should be. I, I sometimes, Scott, don't like to go down that route of, oh, let's be what we were 20 years ago. That's never going to happen again, people. Like it, it, those days have gone. The Fergie days have gone. They were special. We were, we were there because we're old enough. And thankfully, yeah, that was fantastic. We all remember that. But this is a new way of doing things. You have to adhere to what the football gods are doing today. United need to le really operate like the Arsenals, like the cities in terms of their infrastructure. And they are archaic. They don't have that infrastructure. That's why you lose football matches. It's not because Eric Ten Hag's picked the wrong left back or right back. Right. So we've already explained. You look at 25%, right? And you think, mm. all right, that's... 70, there's 75% left in the hands of somebody else. That means mm. nothing. What's he actually going to change? Mm. So Jim Ratcliffe would not be progressing with this offer if it was not contingent on him getting getting control of the football operation. Mm. And the Class B shares that he is acquiring, and I'm sure there's stuff that they have to work out in the contract and that kind of thing about who actually takes ownership of the football operation. Yeah. So Jim Ratcliffe's bid has always been contingent on him and his his people to mm. get control of the football operation. That's become clear over the last couple of days. So when we talk football operation, we are talking Richard Arnold, John Murta, even the manager, the yeah. players. They will now assume the responsibility of leading that. And if that means changing people, that means changing John Murta, changing Richard Arnold, 
which could happen, by the way. It really, it really could happen over the next, you know, maybe next summer or maybe during this season. Maybe it could happen. And I, I'd say it's probably likely to happen as well. That's the important thing for me. That's the important place to start. I know that the the debt has is an issue that has to be cleared and and all of these kinds of things. But I think if you turn around United on the pitch to start with, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to start turning everything else around. Now, everybody knows the criticism that has been afforded to Ed Woodward over the past you know ten years. Richard Arnold stepped in in his place and has had the worst an awful eighteen months with everything that's happened off the pitch. John Murta has come in and given has been given a lofted role and you know has been criticized as being maybe not the best world's best negotiator. We saw them, you know, in Barcelona, didn't we? Go and negotiate for mm. Frankie de Jong and that would that was not a good look, this kind of thing. You've had the Anthony stuff, you've had the Mason Greenwood stuff, and how United have dealt with that, which has felt fallen on Richard Arnold, really. Um what this will do what this change of ownership will do and the change of uh, football in operation will do is allow United to actually function like a proper football club if they put the right people in place. So Jim Ratcliffe and D- Dave Brailsford, I'm, I'm guessing is going to come in. They will make the appointments to start making Manchester United run like a football operation. So Paul Mitchell is the big name. Let's come out. Uh, it's been it's been rumoured for a long time. Ralph Rangnick was definitely an advocate of Paul Mitchell when he was at United. He wanted to see Paul Mitchell being brought in. United went with John Mercer. Now, Paul Mitchell has left Monaco recently. He has a history of working with Tottenham. He worked at Mauricio Pochettino at Tottenham. Mm -hmm. He's gone to, he's gone to Monaco. He's gone to other places and has a very strong track record of leading sporting operations at football club and being pretty successful as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit more. Well, Paul Mitchell is the gold standard of, director of footballs someone who has done it in the smaller operations over Southampton wasn't it I think originally Southampton had one of the best youth academies ever you know during that period and it was fantastically set up well uh, from Mitchell and obviously Mitchell then uh, assimilated into the Red Bull system that's the the, the kind of connection with Ralph Raniuk, um and, and worked his way bobbed his job around Europe did all the stuff that he had to do to really build his reputation um, and of course, now he is he is available. So Paul Mitchell's name was mentioned not so long ago, about about a year ago. Manchester United were exploring it. Uh, Paul Mitchell himself is actually a Mancunian from Staley Bridge, um, and and has aspirations to be involved back in the Premier League. And you know who's bigger than Manchester United? Nobody. That's the truth. So I think the whole thing with Paul Mitchell and and Ineos is that we need a director of football that works with the bigger administrations, and in this case, it would be Ineos and, and Jim Ratcliffe. Jim Ratcliffe is not stupid enough to decide to buy the players. That's not the way he would be doing it. He will be putting the best people in the best positions to advise those things. So Paul Mitchell, for me, I, I've been critical of John Murto in recent times, and I've also been sympathetic of John Murto. Like when he first took the job over, I was like, this is a massive job for someone of his skill set. And, you know, you were hopeful that he would be able to have an impact behind the scenes. I think the truth is, is that the Murto-Arnold axis has brought us to Ten Hag, but has also brought us a ton of pain as well. And the football club has hit a brick wall because of those guys that are in charge in those really key positions. Let's make one big comparison, Scott, because I've said this to you before. We look at Arsenal and we look at what they're doing with Edu, is that Edu has been able to replicate at Arsenal what City are kind of doing. Is that you have this realm of credibility, you build it slowly, you make some mistakes, but you make some good choices as well. And then you finally get to a plateau where fans can see the vision a little bit more because you've won a few things, like in terms of games every week, style of play, that kind of stuff. You've already got a really nice stadium that you built, you know, 15 years before. But you're, it's, a, it's a process. One thing that Qatar was not offering was that. They were not offering anything like that in terms of their outward vision for Manchester United. I'm confident that that's how Ineos will do it because that's what Ineos have done in all their other businesses when involved in sport. If you look at someone, again, like Mercedes with Ineos and, say, Toto Wolf that runs his stuff there, when, when they've been successful... They've always had people in the right strategic positions to push you forward. Paul Mitchell, for me, Scott, fits the bill. If you can bring him in, 
I actually think Eric Ten Hag is almost the perfect coach for Paul Mitchell because they will scour the world for the correct talent that they need. And Man United have got scouts everywhere, Scott. They're just rubbish at doing the business side of it. They can't sell their own players to fund it. They've got debt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the thing about debt is that we'd have to have that conversation with Ineos as time goes on about how you structure that to get that out of the football club. But there's no way that Ineos will be doing business like the Glazers do. It'd be completely different. And that makes me feel good, Scott. I feel I look at that and go, yeah, it might be a longer way to get to where you want to be, but it might actually be quicker than than uh, when you look at what Qatar did in Paris, because that hasn't worked either, has it? They've won a number of league titles. They've signed massive players. And I understand that... They still would have won them. Yeah, it's, it's still not... Like, I think PSG should have won the Champions League by now. They just got lost 4-1 in Newcastle. Absolutely. So, you know... There's no guarantees either that even with unlimited money, there's absolutely no guarantees. And Man United are a big example of that. They've spent a hell of a lot of money and failed over the past. They're they up there with Man City. They might have even spent more. And they've failed. They have. They have not even competed for a title since 2013. They've not. And that's because, obviously, the Glazers were in place uh, when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge. But what the key difference, Sir Alex had already built United and was going through rebuilds of United. Yeah. David Gill was also there as a peer. Hell of a pair of operators. They knew they had full control of the club. They knew exactly what they were doing. If they spotted a problem in the squad, gone. Like Ruud van Nistelrooy, all, the, all these kinds of players, like they, they sold even before we were ready at times because yeah. they knew it was for the betterment of the squad. Since Ferguson and David Gill left, we've had... Ed Woodward step into David Gill's role and a succession of managers who've accumulated players in their own philosophy because United have never had a sporting director really yeah. with any kind of focus on the profile of player that they should appoint. We've been talking about this for years, years and years. This is what we are talking about potentially happening within the next nine months. You know, they, they will put this in place first, which is quite encouraging for me. But obviously, there's no guarantee that it'll work. But, you know, all the players throughout the transfer window, we were frustrated that, oh, they won't sell Maguire. They won't mm. sell McTominay. Uh, they overpaid for another player. They just bought Casemiro for 70 million and gave him a four-year contract on £350,000 a week. And now he's injured again and his, his engine's gone mm. a year later. All of these decisions have been made by the existing people that are in those positions that would be removed. You know, I'm sure right. Ten Hag is complicit mm. in some of this, but he's looking at how can I get the team to win now? Paul Mitchell and that structure, if they are to be brought in, would think, how can we be more successful in the next five, 10 years? Absolutely. And we do know with these transfer windows with Eric Ten Hag is that he's got certain players that he wanted, but he's also had to compromise on what he's wanted, like pretty deeply in terms of some of the positions, hasn't he? Like you just mentioned there, like say, say a player like Casemiro is that Casemiro was absolutely not Man United's first choice. But when Casemiro was offered to them, they thought oh, this is a good way to appease everyone. He's a good footballer, et cetera, et cetera. And now you're dealing with another problem one year down the line. And that's been a consistent issue at Manchester United, doesn't it? For the whole of the Glazer tenure at the football club. Most important thing, Scott, here is to now invent this structure, to put that in st structure in place that supports the football operation, because that's the bit that I highlight and I see all the time, is that, yes, Pep Guardiola is a genius, but Pep Guardiola went to Man City because all his Barcelona mates are there, yeah? And all his Barcelona mates went, we will do this and you will get that. Are and they waited. That, they waited. Two, they, they bought in Chiqui Bergerstein. Yeah. Ferran Soriano. And they waited two years. They waited for Pep. Yeah, but Gerestein is absolutely public about how he did it. But Gerestein was like, yep, you know, we know he was at, at Bayern Munich. We knew what we wanted and we played the long game because sometimes the long game gets you there quicker than just messing around short term over and over and over again. That's Man United's problem, isn't it? Is that we do all these short term fixes and then fans, when the results go wrong, go, oh, what, why did that happen? We've just spent a billion pounds on footballers. We've well, probably bought them on the wrong footballers or the wrong wages. So this is the bit we, we keep coming back to. City have done that. Arsenal now have got a structure with their ownership, with Edu, where they've been able to empower Arteta. And Arteta knows that he will get X, Y and Z 
But Arteta rightfully knows that he's not the director of football. He's the coach. So he can do that role. And that's what United need. Ten Hag needs to have autonomy for the team, but he needs support. I don't think he gets that from Murto and Arnold. And again, when you hear from sources at Manchester United, that's always the woolliest bit, Scott. It's a bit like, what does the director of football think? Well, he doesn't have an opinion. That's not very good, is it? You you, you, you want opinions here. You want people to know what they're doing. Um, I think Richard Arnold is just a, a kind of cloak and dagger version of Ed Woodward. I really do. I don't think there's much difference in how they, they run the business. They they want sponsorship deals and that's really their their big thing, their big MO in terms of making money for Manchester United and for the Glazers. But the, the worst thing is, Scott, is that things go wrong on the football pitch. None of them are accountable. Mm-hmm. None of them are accountable. None of them you can say to, well, you made that choice, therefore you lose your job. The Mason Greenwood debacle of the last six months should have meant that Richard Arnold resigned. I'm putting it out there. That's the truth. That's how big businesses work because he got so much of it wrong. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's not accountable to it. He isn't. So he stays, you ship the player out and life carries on like nothing happened. So do you see these things don't work? This is not how it works at other football clubs, at top football clubs, is that sometimes you get a Barcelona where it's all very political and you've got a structure that, that's about you know re-elections and all of that. And it happens in Spain quite a bit. And then you get Real Madrid, where someone like Florentino Perez has complete control of everything and, and will just pump money into the team like mad year after year after year. But then they make really good choices. They go and buy Jude Bellingham. Then you have Man United that really is just more bothered about selling shirts, really the truth. And they're not really interested in fixing the roof at Old Trafford or those kind of things or winning football matches. They're not really that bothered about it. When you're not that bothered, Scott, guess what? Apathy sets in. And that's the Glazers in a nutshell, isn't it? So, yes, we all want the Glazers gone. I think this is your best chance of getting rid of the Glazers. And I think fans have to get on board with that. And we will hold Jim Ratcliffe to account. Every decision he makes, we will question and we'll throw it back at him. And hopefully we'll have a better relationship with that ownership than we do with the current one. Yeah, so just a reminder, there's a meeting later this week, Thursday, where... Mm. So we put to the United board and as ex- it's expected, it's expected that mm. this will be ratified and it'll, it'll start to move forward. Um, you think it'll move quickly? I actually that? think it will move fairly rapidly because of the position that Man United are in today. So I think if, if United were playing well this season, Scott, and things were a bit more shinier and fans were a little bit more calmer and stuff wasn't really happening, then then there's kind of, you can do it. You can do it more, a little bit more kind of send the tree, go slower, slower, slower. I think there will be a kind of a willingness here to make quick changes. So I do think that we will see a new director of football quite quickly. And I think they will announce what they're going to do with Old Trafford. I think we will see a, that there's been, <laughs> there's been architects in place working with Manchester United for, I think, almost like 18 months now. Mm. They have finalised plans of what they believe should happen. This is the same architects that built the Tottenham Stadium. So I think it will be very similar to that. Um, But there's also the added part here of about how do you make Old Trafford still look like Old Trafford? Because that's been a big talking point, is that the Glazers, one of the things they asked them was that they didn't want to knock the stadium down and just rebuild it and have this you know, modern stadium. They wanted something that was still Old Trafford, looked like Old Trafford. So that's really interesting. So I think we'll hear more about that. And I think that's something that will massively motivate Ratcliffe. I think he would think if he built a new stadium at Old Trafford or renovated it correctly, I think a lot of fans straight away would feel that power shift. And if he goes, this is my deal. I'm doing this. Yeah, look at me. I'm doing this and I'm putting money into the team and it's my cash. Think fans will will feel better about the whole thing, and they don't see Glazers anyway. We don't see them in our stands, like you know when we sing the songs and everyone protests. They're not there. They don't care, you know. So it would be a way of getting away from their shadow because I think it's their shadow that over over is overbearing for Man United fans more than their actual practical reality. Fully understand. Full sale only. Uh, get it? Yeah. Just I, I get it. I, I do. Um, but the full sale only offer, the only full sale offer, on, full sale only offer that was on the table, was not lucrative enough for it. Did not meet the asking price of the Glazers. 
Yeah. So that was never fully material. It wasn't. And was it on the table? I'm going to keep saying it. Was it really on the table? Just because you've been told by Twitter account does not mean it's real. And I think United fans have to grab that. Just because someone on a fan channel told you that this was where it was, do not believe it. Yeah, that's do not believe it. There are other things going on in the background. So I think we'll learn a lot more this week, Scott, about what this process has truly been when things have been a bit more quiet because there's been a lot of PR going on out there and Qatar have employed PR companies in the UK to push forward their their want for Manchester United. But we've not really seen anything technical from them. We really have not. They've just told everyone that they would like that football club and they want to take it back to the glory days. Well, I'm afraid the other people value the football club higher than you. That's that, really. And it's funny because you're the richest ones. You've got billions and billions and billions, almost a trillion, and you couldn't find that extra bit of cash to take this deal over the line and then take power at Manchester United. And you could have done it. You could have done it like that, but you didn't. And obviously, I'm sure everybody, or a lot of people will point to the Glazers' greed. As if we didn't know that was a thing already. We all know they're greedy. Yeah, we all know that. So the fact of the matter is somebody has to do something to rid them of their power and get them out. So Jim Ratcliffe wants to do that in a phased approach. And it looks like that's going to be the one that's going to win out. But don't expect to hear anything official. Like there's a meeting on Thursday, as we as we mm. said a couple of times. Don't expect to hear anything really official until then. I'm sure we'll hear bits and pieces that come out through uh, journalists and uh, different parties and this kind mm. of thing. And we've got a piece on nightmen.com, which is about to go out as well. It might be out already if you listen to this. So you can fully not, maybe understand a little bit more about the plans that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has and the people that he wants to be involved, this kind of thing. But unfortunately, that deal on the table from Qatar we will never know if the Glazers wanted a full sale because the asking price that they set was not met. If it was, if it was, if they put six billion down plus all the other other stuff on top, and they still rejected it, maybe like we could have a, a proper conversation about it. But I also think they might have taken it personally. I think I think if they were going to get remunerated in terms of like several times the value of the football club. That, again, is very reminiscent, isn't it, Scott, of how big business works, is that when you see takeovers like that, it's generally because an entity has put so much money on the table that the restructure and, you know, is is unavoidable. It has to just happen because they're going to take their money and run. And the Glazers, I think, would love that. But they also wanted a, a, a potential uh, outlet here where they could stay at the football club. And sometimes, Scott, to, to kill a fat cat, you have to keep feeding it, yeah? That's what you have to do. And I think with the Glazers, they're not going to walk out the door through that cat flap on their own. You might just have to kind of play lip service with them for two, three, four years and slowly but surely move them away from your football club and get to where you want to be. Because let's not pretend that the rebuild at Man United is going to get done in six months or a year or any of that. This has got to be a long-term project, stadium build, new players, you stick with the manager for now, we might end up with a new manager eventually. There's so much to do. Uh, director of football. New, new Carrington, someone described it the other day as not fit for a championship club. Let that sink in. Yeah, Carrington is old and dusty. You're going to need to reinvest in all these areas. Qatar might have had more money, Scott, and said they were going to spend it on these things, but there was never anything concrete on the table. There never has been. And... Their track record at PSG is not a great one. Yeah, they won some you know, league and titles. So what? You know, like, no, you know, by Neymar does not mean that you were successful. So I think that, that this is now the opportunity. We need to wait and see. Now, as you just said there, the, the board will vote on Thursday, but I think that is more of a formality. But then it will be about the statement from Manchester United. How many statements have we had this year? My God, like another Man United statement. And I think they will explain maybe some of the transfer of power and I think we will also now hear directly from Ratcliffe. I think that's the next thing to hear his his kind of vision of now there is a deal potentially on the table to be executed. What does he want to happen next? And he will be held accountable to that. If he says what he wants, then he's always going to be held accountable to his own words. 48 minutes in, that will be it for us. We'll be yes. back Friday. Hopefully, by then, we might hear something a little bit more concrete. Obviously, this will be after that meeting takes place. Yes. Uh, so maybe there'll be something that we can sink our teeth into there. But I think the, the message from me is 
I've seen a lot of RIP Manchester United. This is the end of Manchester United. And I understand because the Glazers are not fully leaving at the moment. That And that's been the protest. It's full sale only. It's always been full sale only for the last year. And I, I completely understand that. Robert does mm. as well. Yeah. But the full sale only was never a reality because no, no party put up the amount of money it would take for the Glazers to accept a sale. No. And that's the end of it. That's the end of it. That, that is the end of it. So that, that Qatar bid is not, it's not reality, unfortunately. Uh, and if it was, maybe we'd be having a different conversation, but they'll pin the bit, they'll pin the blame on the Glazers. And I'm sure, but you know, if, if you're trying to acquire an asset, you have to convince us how to sell. You have to, and they, they haven't. So we are moving forward by the looks of it with uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe's 25% offer. We have explained throughout this show the significance of what that 25% is and why it actually means more than 25% of 100%. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully, United down the line will be making some changes to the football operation. And that's what Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants. Yeah. Any final thoughts there, Rob? Final thoughts. Just want to say this uh, because... I still think this is a really important part for Manchester United fans is that there are, there are entities out there in new media and old media that want Man United fans at war with one another. They want you to hate each other. They want you to be divided. And I think this is the whole thing about there's going to be this whole shtick now about judging one party over another because of X, Y, and Z. I would just advise Man United fans to kind of sit back on that yet yeah, and, and actually see the wood from the trees understand about why certain entities here are trying to manipulate all of you to hate each other why is that why why is that because it's easy isn't it it's easy clicks it's easy hits it's easy opinion scott i think what we're kind of doing here is not easy stuff we could actually sit here and just do that as well couldn't we but we've always said we're not going to do that so just be just beware united fans because i think wait and see what the next step is here find out what Ineos really want to do and what jim Ratcliffe wants to do and see the pathway before you make choices, because this is all very emotional, but everything needs to be calmed down and a little bit more stoic. Wait and see. It's coming now. At least we know that we're going to hear something very soon in terms of the direction of this football club. Subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, the Promise Land of Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and hit the notification bell. If you like what you hear, you might not have today. I don't know. Leave us a comment. But hopefully, I understand it's a raw situation. It's still quite emotional and that kind of thing. But things will settle down. Mm. I just want people to maybe understand that this isn't all bad for me. I, I, I don't think this is all bad. And yes, the alternative on the table, if it was reality, might have been elevated United faster. But yeah. there's no guarantee that works either. Money does not solve everything. It doesn't. Nope. And United, more than anyone, should probably know that after the way that they've spent their money for the last 10 years. Uh, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU as well. And uh, we'll see you next next show. Uh, Friday, I believe, we'll be back. So get in touch with us, honestly. We, we want to hear your comments. Uh, we understand. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're going to disagree with us, don't just do it nicely. That's all, I, all I'd ask, really. Um, I want to have an open conversation here, but I just wanted to try and get the point across that, you know, one party did whatever it took to get Manchester United. The other one didn't. Anyway, uh, Rob, thank you very much. See you soon, everyone, for another Promised Land podcast. Maybe Manchester United might finally be changing. See you soon.